everybody, welcome to episode two of the Grindcast. We did it. We made it to episode two. All the way to episode two. That it's means a, it's a thing now, right? Yeah, it's a real thing. <laughs> Every week, for two weeks, we've done a podcast. So Sweet. 100% of the weeks. Um, so today, we're going to talk about a couple of different things. I think we're going to go over a couple of the things about the SCG Invitational that uh, we didn't quite get to last time. Uh, I think we were a little focused on the 7-1 and one decks, and we should have at least peeked at the top 8 decks a little bit. Yeah, and that comes from some of the feedback that we got from the first episode. People wanted to hear more about the top 8 deck lists in particular, and then the deck lists that won in particular as well. Yeah, and it was a little, you know, it's a split format, and that's kind of why we missed the top 8 decks, but definitely at least we right. need to talk about yeah the deck that just sort of walked through the, the modern top 8. Right, of course. Um, I think that's important. And then we're going to talk about some Hour of Devastation Limited, which I've been playing a lot of. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been playing a little less of the Limited, uh, but mainly because I'm testing Standard for Cincinnati this weekend. So, should be um, able to give us a pretty good idea. Right, So, and then I'll be talking a lot more about um, Standard, uh, kind of what we've discovered so far, uh, as like very early week one testing goes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't... I haven't gotten that testing in. I've mostly been doing some brainstorming, some writing up of deck lists, so yep. I'm glad you're at the next stage of that. Um, but for right now, I guess the easy, clear place to start uh, when talking about the Invitational and a couple of the things we missed uh, is Brian Koval's Death and Taxes deck that, that won the whole thing. Yeah. Um, this deck is it's kind of like a, a deck that's been popping up here and there in Modern in particular. Um, where uh, we've seen a couple of these decks do well. There was a Grand Prix a couple weekends ago where we saw some of these decks. I think it made finals. Um, uh, I, I can't actually remember if it won or not. But um, but yeah, the Death and Taxes archetype has been something that's been popping up, and uh, it's probably something that we need to take more note of. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it probably comes uh, because of the fact of how good... Uh, some of these cards are in the metagame in particular. Right. Uh, talking about Thalia um, and Mirren Crusader and Path to Exile. These are all just like very solid cards that you want to be playing in a lot of matchups right now. Um, this deck seems great against uh, Death Shadow, which is kind of... It kind of feels like that we've been saying that a lot recently, is that like we're, we're kind of talking about all these decks in the context of their matchup against Death Shadow. Yeah, and I don't I don't think you get that far in a modern tournament without some level of warping your deck to beat Death Shadow. Yeah, or whatever the best deck is, and I think that in particular this time it's... Right. Uh, sure. Yep. Um, so it is interesting that, you know, um, this deck kind of gets to play all of the, like, super powerful, high-impact sideboard cards. Um, Although it chooses... To play Relic of Progenitus rather than Rest in Peace. Yeah, that is interesting. In, in, in Brian's deck, he's got four Relics and one Graftigger's Cage in the sideboard um, when he could be playing Rest in Peace. Um, I'm not actually 100% sure why that is. I think that he probably doesn't want to um, kind of go overload on the um, the Rest in Peace package because if you, if you draw multiple Relics, it's great. You, right. can, you, you could pop them, uh, draw a card... Uh, and then move on. But uh, if you're drawing multiple rest in pieces, you, you still need to, you know, close the game out somehow, right? right. And I, I think, I mean, I've talked about this with some people. Um, actually, uh, played against a guy who was playing Death and Taxes at FNM the other night for whatever that's worth. I mean, he nice. does play the deck a lot, right? So, sure. so more than more experience playing the deck than I have. Um, he had relics and not rest in pieces, and I asked him about it, and he was saying that um, basically Death Shadow is a very grindy one for one kind of matchup. Mm -hmm. Putting down that rest in peace while the first one can be good. There's a risk. Of, there is the risk of drawing the second one, and even the first one isn't necessarily getting you a full card's worth of value yeah, out of it. All you the can time. still just like die to double dash shadow, right? Yeah. Like if if they are running like a bunch of street rates and shocklands and and they have that draw where they just like land some early dash shadows and your your like supposed interaction piece is a rest in peace, you're just gonna die, right? Um. So uh. Yeah. I mean. You know, I guess that's that's probably a direction that these decks probably want to go in from now on is that they're moving more towards the relics as opposed to the rest in peace. Sure. Um, yeah. And, and then uh, the other kind of interesting piece that I saw here in the sideboard was Dust to Dawn. Yeah. Um, standard, sta brand new standout <laughs> in standard. Yeah, brand new. Yeah, and like uh, it's, it's always cool to see uh, cards from the recent set, uh, you know, make an impact in the eternal formats. Um, and I think Dusk is definitely one of those cards that's powerful enough. Like... 
uh, particularly in this archetype. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just puts your grindy game plan, or it just allows you to have a grindy game plan even. Um, like yep. in, in a lot of the matchups that are kind of trying to one-for-one you and stuff, and then maybe land a big threat. Um, then you can just like dust away the big stuff and then pick up, like, I don't know, casting Dawn. Sometimes you draw like seven cards. <laughs> yeah. Or sometimes you draw three, but it's a Thraven Inspector, a Blade Splicer, and a Mirren Crusader. Right. And that's, yeah, yeah. that's good enough. For sure. Um, um, yeah, picking up Mirren Crusaders uh, seems pretty good. Yeah, that's not a two power creature. <laughs> Uh, right, yeah, that, that's gonna hit for more than two, even though you can get it back, for sure. Um, and yeah, and that, the Leon and Arbiter and Ghost Quarter sort of package is, is pretty powerful right now, I think, when the, the, kind of mm-hmm. the two biggest decks in the format are Eldrazi Tron and Death yeah. Shadow. Yeah, I think the Leon and Arbiter is just great. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, I played with a black-white Death and Taxes deck, uh, a couple opens ago, mm-hmm. um, and was just blown away at how good Leon and Arbiter is in the format. Um, especially when you're, you know, when you're playing with the four ghost quarters, um, he's even got four tech edges as well. So he's kind of going really hard on the, um, the man disruption plan. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, definitely, definitely something to consider there. Like when everybody's playing fetch lands and everything, if you're on the play and your opponent plays, you know, a tap shock and passes the turn. And then you play your your Lunan Arbiter right. and the rest of their cards in hand are fetch lands, then you know that's like that's like a normal thing to do in the dark uh but i think that if you're playing if your opponent plays like um any sort of white land or anything that would lead you to believe that they're on a lean and arbiter deck you just kind of have to lead with shock land or right. lead with the fetch lands now just to play play around that yeah and death shadow sort of does that anyways because it's playing its fetch lands out before anything else almost but... yeah right for sure um but uh yeah just something to note because like i definitely feel like um a lot of my opponents in that tournament kind of made that mistake where, like, mm-hmm. the natural, like, for, for a non-Death Shadow deck, right, I, I guess right. I should say, the natural progression, if you have, like, shock, fetch, fetch, is to, and no one-drop is just, like, shock tapped, and then fetch a basic, fetch a basic, right? Sure. Um, it's just the cleanest way to get your lands in play. Um, and pay the least amount of life, yeah. Right, and pay the least amount of life. But, uh, yeah, definitely something to consider when playing against a Lean and Arbiter deck. Um, I think that the the skilled players who know how to play around that card definitely get a huge benefit. But if you're if you're not aware of like how to play around it or whatever, um, you you can definitely find yourself in some tough spots that you could have easily play, played around. Yeah, definitely. Um, Brian Koval's other deck in this tournament, uh, his standard deck, a sweet oh, one was was pretty sweet. This is Grixis Metalwork Colossus. Yeah. Um, this deck is great. Um, I played a little bit with this um, online uh, before the tournament, before the Invitational, um, and was impressed with just like how powerful some of these draws are. Right. Like if you if you get one of your good draws and you're putting in, you can put in like thirty power on turn four. Yeah, uh, like pretty pretty easily, which it, is crazy. And and the thing I really love about the deck is how much work the lands do. Yes, it, yeah, it, they do not just make mana. They, they right. Your Inventor's Ferrex can find you, your missing pieces, your Sanctums, uh, sanctums are just more 10 Just tens. insane. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But, well, um, they're 10 tens, and then they get you the one Deep Fiend to to kill them. Right, or, or the Deep Fiend, and, yeah. And it's, it's just... For sure. It's really phenomenal. Um, this is the deck that playing against it on Magic Online made me put a bunch of Fragmentizes mm-hmm. in my sideboard for right. the Invitational. I think I think Fragmentizes are a very powerful card that you want access to if yeah. you can sometimes it's right. just so much tempo against decks like this against vehicle heavy decks um that that's just an individual card that i'm pretty high on in standard right now yeah um uh the problem with this deck moving forward though is that i think that it's probably not gonna be able to exist in the format with a bunch of abrades yeah um yeah as sweet as this deck is like looking at it from a new standard perspective i just don't see it to be very viable um uh, everybody's kind of choosing to put braids in another deck over harness lightning, even if they're playing energy wow. right now. So, um, uh, and I don't. I, that might just be like a kind of a week one thing, right? Um, a new toy kind of deal, right? And we'll kind of we'll we'll see where it moves forward. Testing a lot with a braid. I've been super impressed with the braid, mm-hmm. but there have also been times where I've said, "Man, I wish I could till this X four." <laughs> you know, right? Uh, right. When and, they tap five on their fifth turn right. and attack, and there, the there are a lot of X fours in, in the format, um, uh, like Glorybringer, um, Avacyn, a bunch of other stuff. Um, 
So, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about more of that when we get to the standard section, but... Um, I think you still would rather have a braid against the Avacyn decks because those are monument decks usually. Right, yeah. Um, a braid being able to kill monument is very huge. Um, Monument's another deck that got hit pretty hard. Um, uh, yeah. I've heard m- kind of mixed arguments about monument moving into new standard, um, but... We'll, yeah. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hit, hit that. that in a second. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, but before that, I guess there are a couple more things about the Invitational. I mean, like one thing that I noticed that, that I think we should talk about a little more is decks that we expected to show up that maybe not have, maybe didn't show up uh, in the numbers that we were thinking. So, for mm-hmm. example, like Zombies didn't seem to have a very successful weekend. Yeah. Um, this is, there was only one in the 7 and 1 decks. And when I was walking around the top tables, I really saw a lot of Ether Hubs and, yes. and Red <laughs> yeah. and Blue and Green lands. I did not right. see a lot of Diagraph Colossuses. Um, yeah, I played against some Zombie decks in kind of late in day two. Um, and, uh, beat them both handily with my black green energy deck which is strange because uh i going into the tournament i kind of thought that zombies was going to be the worst matchup for sure. my black green energy deck but i kind of uh you know i i tested a lot of the matchup and it's you know fine you can win um but and by the tournament i was kind of looking reassessing the matchup and thinking that maybe it's just a good matchup for black green yeah um like you know sure that they can have their like dump on the board hands and you can just lose but um i think a lot of the time uh the black green energy deck was definitely able to like apply the early pressure that it needed to kind of put zombies on the back foot um and then uh post board you're getting yehani's expertise to sweep things up um uh, Sky Sovereign to essentially just win. Like I don't right. know, even if I don't know have... how I don't know how Zombies beats Sky Sovereign too handily. So right, even when they've gone off and made four or five tokens, mm-hmm. like Sky Sovereign is just going to kill them before those things deal lethal to right. you. Yeah, um, kill them, clean up the important bits on the board. Um, uh, just it, it just does a ton. So um, I think in hindsight that match was probably pretty good for Black Green. Um, and if that's a deck that Zombies is struggling with, then I just don't even know yeah, what's the point of what what their angle is on the format. So yeah, I think the one selling point that it has, and I, I think it's I'm pretty down on it in the immediate future. But as the format develops, I think the main strength of Zombies is getting to play so much good removal. Hmm. Um, I mean, because not only does it have access to Fatal Push and Grasp of Darkness, which every black deck has, I mean, it gets to play for Dark Salvation, which is just an extremely powerful removal spell. Yes, that card is very, very good. Yeah. Um, and it has access to kind of interesting sideboard plans, uh, like this uh, one recent 5-1 deck, or 5-0 no deck. Um, was running four Yehenny's expertise in the sideboard, uh, <laughs> right? Clearly for a monument meta game. Yes. Um, yeah. But and that can be powerful, especially if you combine it with something like Kalitas. Um, the the meta game could go to a point where playing a creature deck with access to that powerful removal suite is a good thing. I don't think that the meta game is going to be there in the immediate future, though. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then kind of the another deck from the Invitational Weekend. Um, was the uh, T-Merge a deck uh, played by um, James Wolmacher. I'm probably butchering his last name, <laughs> but um, uh, definitely another kind of interesting take on the format that he was playing uh, essentially a teamer energy deck, um, but he cut the um, uh, Glorybringers in favor painful of... Painful cut. Yeah, p- pretty painful cut, but he said that he just didn't like him at all. Um, so he, he cut those four deep fiends and was just running a bunch of four of three drop creatures, uh, like four trackers in the main, which was pretty neat. Um, and then four deep fiends, um, just trying to be this like really lean, efficient, um, teamer beatdown deck that just closed out the games with, uh, elder deep fiends. And then had access to Kozilek's returns for the matchups where, where that's important. Right. And, and yeah, Kozilek's return was kind of like the other big piece of that deck where, um, uh, I think for that tournament in particular, Kozilek's Return was just very good. Yeah. Um, playing a lot of monument decks, playing uh, zombies. Even um, in the mirror, the pseudo-mirror. Right. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I was very impressed with just kind of like the positioning of that deck and, and for that tournament. Yeah. Um, so. and, and you actually borrowed his... Yeah, so the funny story there is that um, I met up with James, um, uh, what was it, Saturday night? So the night before top eight, um, and he just made top eight, 
And I had asked him about his standard deck, and I was considering playing it for the classic on Sunday. Sure. Um, and he was just like, well, why don't you just borrow my 75? <laughs> so he handed it to me, and I ended up playing it um, uh, because he was playing modern in the top eight on Sunday. Um, and uh, and the deck was kind of insane. Um, I think that it, it didn't really fit my play style as well as it fit his. Um, he watched me play a couple of my matches and said that he would have taken completely different lines from from like turn um, turn three from like on. Yeah, yeah turn like three on like there was one point where um, my opponent played on turn three a tireless tracker and I untapped into my turn three and I had um, like a rogue refiner that I could play proactively or I could just harness lightning and tireless tracker and play for a longer game and the other context about this game is that my opponent had mold to five or something right. Um, and my hand was stacked. I had a Deep Fiend, I had Chandra, I had um, Rogue Refiner, Harness Lightning, uh, just like a lot of stuff going going on in my hand. And I just decided to snap off the Harness Lightning on his uh, his tracker just to make sure he couldn't get any value and then I could just value him out with the Chandra right. and the Rogue Refiner and everything. Um, uh, and But uh, James, after the match, told me that he, on that turn, would have just played Rogue Refiner and then tried to Deep Fiend him next turn. Uh, just to, like really push in that aggressive beatdown plan and try to kill him before he had the opportunity to like draw out into anything. Yep. Um, and I was just kind of amazed how like I'm not still I'm still not 100 percent sure if one is right and the other is wrong. Um, I think that they're just like different conceptual approaches on how to play the deck. Yeah. Um, but it clearly worked out for James to just really push that aggressive game plan, uh, get the five six beater into play, time walk your opponent as soon as possible. Um, and, uh, so definitely a good consideration for, or just like an, an interesting poach on, on like definitely. how to play the metagame or whatever. Um, uh, or at least how to play that particular deck. And I mean, a lot of these decks, sort of the way they're built is they're good at like pushing their plan forward, mm-hmm. but a lot of them don't function super well when they're on the back foot. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely, uh, kind of an interesting thing to look forward to because I think that something along those lines might be interesting to look at in the new standard format of like some proactive deck like that. Yeah, for the next three months, like Kozilek's Return is always going to be available mm-hmm. if it's good in the format. So it's, right. it's yeah. even if it disappears for a while, it's something to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, let's talk about Limited. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, so... I've been drafting this format really heavily. Uh, it only came out a couple of days ago, but yeah. I had yesterday off of work, so I pretty much yesterday Monday after I came home, and then all of yesterday I've gotten I, I think ten or eleven drafts in. Nice, yeah. Um, so probably I guess I'm just going to talk about my experience with the format so far, what it feels like, and then just tell me if you disagree on anything. Or- yeah. Um, yeah, my, I'm, my experience in limited so far has been a little more limited. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I played in like two pre-releases, uh, and then I did a couple drafts on Magic Online, and then, uh, last night I just did a in-person draft. Um, so, uh, That's still I, a pretty got, decent amount. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I play a lot of Magic. Yeah, though, so. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So that feels uh, like... Right. Um, I've been playing much more constructed, but, um... The, uh, uh, yeah, for sure. Why don't you, why don't you go ahead and take it away there? So it feels, it really feels like Amonkhet Part 2 to me. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it is still a very aggressive format. Um, it's not necessarily because you're getting attacked for so much damage so quickly, but because, again, blocking is terrible. Creatures get through damage, pump spells are good, um, the, the guy, Exert just makes blockers really really lousy we might even be pushing this aggressive plan even more now because of afflict right and afflict is like um one of the biggest takeaways that i've taken out of the format is that you just never want to be blocking no you don't and and that's that's one of the conclusions that i've come to is even if they come out of the gates quickly and you Mm -hmm. think oh man they're going to be doing doing a lot of damage to me blocking is almost going to make it worse for yeah, you. Yeah. You should just swing back and pressure their life total back and leverage your removal spells as a way to deal damage back to them. Because mm-hmm. you're more likely, even if they started out a little ahead with a better two-drop than yours or something, you are more likely to win the game most of the time by hitting them in the face than by walking into their Kindled Fury. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I played a, a game recently that kind of like highlights that fact where um, I was on the draw, my opponent had a quick start, he was he was curving out and I was stumbling a little bit, um, and he went like two drop, three drop, and I like played a creature and he cracked in and I had no profitable block so I took it all, and I was at like 13 and he was at 20 or something, and then I untap and I got my creature in play, and I'm looking at his dudes and they both have afflict, mm -hmm. and one of them can like, it, one of them was the black... Um, pay three, discard a card to pump it twice or whatever. Right, so you never block that guy. Right, so I'm just like, all right, attack you back for three, yeah. right? <laughs> and that's, like, not really what I'm going to be doing when I'm at, like, 13 or whatever, but, um, uh, yeah, I think that you just kind of have to um, progress your own aggressive game plan just because of the fact that, uh, y like, if your deck isn't well set up to, uh, like, move things or whatever, you're, the only way that you're going to be winning is by getting in your own damage and racing. Yep. I agree completely. Um, and I, you know, I have several games that I have online that I, I could go back and watch now from earlier in the format and think, mm -hmm. oh man, I played that game really badly because you just don't want to be putting your creatures in front of theirs. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, um, the the deck that I drafted last night was a, like, very aggressive combat tricks mm -hmm. um, green-red deck. Um, and I just rolled everybody because uh, the the game plan that I was progressing was uh, just like super proactive, um, and uh, the combat tricks were insane. Like the the green plus three plus three. That's just a lot of damage. Right. Like you know my opponents were trying to block and it just did not go well for no. them. You know. So yeah, two fours are just really miserable in this format. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so it's not where you want to be. Um, yeah. So I like red. A lot in this mm -hmm. format. Yeah. Um, it, it's a little weird because red's two common two drop. I guess it has two. It's got the two one that deals one damage to your opponent when you cast a spell, which I've been very impressed really by. Really good. Yeah. Um, in specific deck, this this more spell heavy. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, aggressive deck. Like the blue red aggressive deck. Yeah. You want to say okay? And I, I'm going to talk about that one. Okay. In particular at, sure. at length. <laughs> nice. Um, so, so red's two drops in sort of, you know, that green-red beatdown deck mm -hmm. or, like, the white-red beatdown deck, they're really not that good. Yeah. Um, but I still like... One of them's just a bear. Yeah, one of them's just a bear, which you don't yeah. really run in this format most of the time. Usually mm -hmm. you get your eight two drops without having to run that guy, in right. my experience. Yeah. In, I guess in Amonkhet in particular, all of the two drops were, like, very high power. Or right. Very, very, uh... Very good. I like not high power. Like they had two power and everything, but um, well, they had three when they were attacking. So well, yeah, like sometimes for sure. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, definitely high power level on all of the two drops in uh, in Amonkhet, um, which I think is almost why they kind of toned that down a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah. Yeah, so what red gives you is, um, I've been very impressed with its its three and four drops, which is a little weird to be talking about when we're saying how aggressive this format is, but they're really good at pushing through. Like, you know, if your three drop deals six damage and then your four drop deals six damage, they're probably, as long as you didn't do nothing on turn two, then that's an insane uh, plan. So the, the three mana, two, three menace with exert, it gets plus two, plus oh. Um, has been very good at pushing damage through. Yep. And then the the hill giant that has afflict to and pumps himself and pumps itself. Yeah. Like they're just gonna take a lot of damage off of that, and there's nothing they can do about it. Right. Um. And that that inevitability that afflict gives you is again right why you don't want to be blocking in this format because you can only block for so long before your life total just starts going down with nothing you can do about right. it. Right. Yeah. I definitely won a lot of games with afflict, just like being able to put my opponent like really low. And then uh, I had um, the red 4-6, he might be a god, uh, with the flight oh, Neheb the Worthy? Yeah, Neheb. Um, where, like, I, there was one game that I played where, like, I got my opponent down to two, um, and then just, like, slammed in Neheb and passed, and he was just like, yep, like, just nothing I can do. Yep. <laughs> you yep. know? And nothing removes that guy except right. for, like, compulsory arrest, so. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, for uh, sixes is a lot of toughness. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of toughness. Yeah. So my early pick for the best deck in the format is uh, Blue-Red Spells slash Prowess. Uh, so this is super different from the old Blue-Red Spells deck that you really wanted to get, like, two Enigma Drakes or an Enigma Drake and a Warfire Javelinier as your payoffs. Um, the payoffs to this one are all common, um, and they are super, super aggressive. 
So um, it's uh, Firebrand Archer, uh, which is the one in a red, two one, yeah. that deals one damage to your opponent whenever you cast a non-creature spell. Uh, Spellweaver Eternal. Is that the two one with the flick? It with is prowess? with prowess. Yeah, and that card seems very strong. It's just way overstatted. Like yeah. blue two drops are bad cards. Right. This is not a bad card. It just yeah. is an incredible two drop that gets damage through no matter what your opponent does, and often deals insane amounts of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, Thorn Moloch, the two two prowess that gets first strike when attacking for three is pretty good. Not as important as the two drops, but can be just completely unblockable very easily, and then. You just fill the deck up with cheap, with one and two mana red and blue spells. Um, like there's a lot of a lot of turns where I would rather have Kindled Fury than Open Fire in this deck. Obviously, you still take all the Open Fires that you can get, right. but you know I I played a match against this deck online where my opponent missed his fourth land drop, but he had two two drops in play, and I looked at my hand and I realized there is no way that I can win this game. <laughs> yeah, just all spells from your opponent. Yep, yeah. and he just played a pump spell and a guy every single turn until mm-hmm. he finally hit his fourth land drop, when he did make Curator of Mysteries, but I was dead regardless of what he was making that turn. Yeah. Um, so you just put your opponent in a huge bind. Um, Unsummon is incredible in this deck. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, all of your guys just end up dealing way more damage than they should because they either have prowess or, in the case of the the um, Firebrand Archer has effectively prowess for damage to your opponent, yeah. even if it's not connecting. The Eternal, even if they do manage to block it, is just draining two, and Afflict two is a huge number. Um, the deck is incredibly powerful, and the presence of Unsummon just sort of negates most of what your opponent is doing in the yeah. early turns. Yeah, sometimes that card can just be a removal spell. Like, if you're playing mm-hmm. a tempo plan, yep. and your opponent's, like, trying to dump their hand on the board, then just, like, you know, bouncing something on tempo uh, is just, like, essentially removing it for the rest of the game if you're beating them down, yep. right? Yep, Um And uh, so in this deck, I really like picking up those two drops really pretty, pretty highly, like, mm-hmm. over good cards, you know, seeing good green cards, and you're like, well, you know, that four mana four four is pretty, take the two mana two one. <laughs> like, Interesting. Like, I, I, and I mean, there's there's going to be a big back and forth between aggro decks and the ramp decks in this format. I've, I've tried the ramp decks. I've had some success with them. Right. I've also had, you know, like, I, I drafted one super sweet deck that was super focused around um, Gift of the God, God Pharaoh's Gift. Um and like did all this work with strategic planning and um, ramp spells and dumping guys into his graveyard, putting God Pharaoh's gift into play, and it actually worked. Yeah, you know, it like the stuff came together. And then turn six, one game, I you know I ramp out, put guys in my graveyard, put God Pharaoh's gift into play, have it in play for two turns. Feel like there's no way I can lose this game. Sure. My opponent slams a six land, top six, hour of revelation. Oh! <laughs> Kills my God Pharaoh's gift, my two eternalized guys, <laughs> my my mana creature, my yeah. mana lith, and my uh, uh, gift, the, the my enchant land. Hmm. So I had five lands in play, and then he just played two creatures and beat me with it. So, Jeez. so after that experience, while right. not representative of the format at large, yeah, yeah, you know, I just like the the the, the draft decks I've had that went three and zero were aggressive draft decks that. Played a lot of two drops, a lot of very cheap spells to leverage those two drops. Yeah. Um, and probably the format will develop to a point, but I'm not really seeing the tools to fight against those decks without just attacking them back. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're spending a lot of your time, you know, maximizing the damage output of your guys, you are not maximizing your ability to deal with the guys that are coming back at you in return. Um, and so a key life point swing with something like a solitary camel, the three two that gets lifelink if you have a desert. Yeah. Um, or the five mana three three flyer that gains you three life when it comes into play. You know, those cards don't do a lot if you're blocking with them, but if you put yourself into a racing situation, then they can be very powerful. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, I think that lifelink is definitely a pretty powerful effect here. Um I've I'm been very impressed with the zombie that gives attacking zombies lifelink for two mana. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, playing against that is just another just another game where you just can't block ever and have to 
just ship in and um, uh, hope to race it. Yep. You know, it, it really does feel like every almost every card and certainly every strategy in the format like mm-hmm. is pushing you towards turning your guys sideways. Yep. Yep. Um, individual thoughts that I've had on the format so far, um, like sort of holes that might be a little exploitable. There's a lot of one toughness creatures. Uh-huh. Um, the the premier white two drop is a two mana three one. Um, those two premier uh, blue and red two drops that I was talking about for the prowess deck mm-hmm. are two mana two ones. Yeah. Um, the it, white um, untapped bird yep, is a two one. Haven is a two one and very strong and very good. Yeah. Uh, so any you know, I'll run, for example, in the blue-red prowess deck, you know, yep. I'll run three of the two mana, put a minus one, minus one counter on a creature, deal two damage to its controller. So you think that card is just, like, great? I think it's just excellent, especially okay. if you're leveraging the two damage to the controller part yeah, of it. right, right, right. Um, and just progressing your aggressive plan. Yep. I mean, imagine a board where you have the the two-one prowess and you have the firebrand archer, they have an X1, or even not necessarily an X1, even like a 2-2, and you attack in, and you shrink it down to a 1-1, deal 2 to them, pump up your guy, deal an extra damage off of your archer. Like, that's just such a bad situation for them. Yeah. Um, and if it did actually murder a guy... Right. Yeah. The game's pretty much over at that point. For sure. Um, Blazing Volley from Amonkhet, one damage to each creature your opponent control. I don't know that I'm at the point of main decking it now, but I'm close. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and it's definitely like, you know, like I'll take it over C-level commons or whatever as a sideboard card because it's a sideboard card that will win you matches. Um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that like those kind of like reads on the format are definitely important to get early on um, to kind of like get you an edge or whatever. Just like having an understanding of like which cards that are probably going to end up going late yeah. are just like good things to pick up. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, uh, yeah, like, the uh, the minus one, minus one counter, two damage card is something that, like, I wasn't really sure on. But, yeah, definitely looking at the format now through the lens of all these X1s yeah. seems important. I'm sure. I'm pretty high on it. You know, could easily be proven wrong or the format could change a little bit. But right now, I it's just a card that when it gets cast against me, I realize, like, oh, crap. Yeah, that that card's messing me up real bad right, right. now. And yeah, kill your it, dude, like, Searing Blaze, essentially, it, sometimes, yeah, yeah it, for it, sure. It is Searing Blaze enough of the time mm-hmm. that yeah, yeah that I like it. Um, individual cards that I've liked a lot that, you know, maybe could go... You know, these aren't cards that are obviously... That seem bad or anything, but these are cards that I've liked um, more than an initial read would probably suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, Dagger of the Worthy, uh, the two-mana equipment. Is that the one that plus two, plus O, oh, and it gives it a flicked one? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Um, and that just... It's good for attacking through stuff. It's really good for attacking through stuff. The Afflict yeah. 1, you know, Afflict 2 is incredibly powerful. Afflict 1 is half as good. You know, it's significantly less so. But when you get to keep putting it on different creatures over and over again, they're at 5. That's That means that no matter what else happens in that game, they're dead in 5 turns no matter how many blockers they have as long as you have attackers to throw into those blockers. Right, yep. Um, and probably because of the plus 2 plus 0, oh, you are killing whatever is blocking. Yeah. So, yep. Toughness doesn't go much further than four uh, no. in this format. Like the 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 cards that have five toughness, I definitely like take a look at as something that's probably pretty good. Yeah. And then the cards that have six toughness are just hard to kill. Yeah. Just insanely hard to kill. Yeah. Hippo is a legit payoff for the green ramp decks. Yeah. And like then... Hippo, and uh, in particular, like sometimes people just slam that against me, and I'm just like, oh, okay, I can't attack through that anymore, and it's probably just gonna kill me. Yes. Um. Yeah. So. Um. And so. So yeah, to, to talk about the ramp decks for a second, because mm-hmm. they are around and the tools are there, you need to have, I mean, so uh, Oasis Ritualists, the 2-4 that taps, can exert and tap for two mana, so really gets you to whatever you're ramping to. Yeah. Um, and uh, the uncommon one that can exert to untap two of your lands, um, that it only nets you one mana, but it's, you know, it's a two drop. Uh so th- those are pretty good rampy cards, and the payoffs. Hippo is a, a decent payoff because five six really is very enormous in this format, and mm-hmm. yeah, most combat tricks aren't going to get most of their guys through it. Um, yeah, and I think there are definitely a lot of 
rares or like solid uncommons that you can open to kind of put you in this archetype. Yep. Like there's the red deal three to all creatures seven drop, which is very good, which is just insane. There's the uh, the green uh, seven seven trampler that scries three and then you gain life. Yep. Uh, it's just like a really good way to stabilize mm-hmm. of like you know if he's going to scry to another like four drop to the top of your library then, um, you know, that's doing a lot of work. Right, and that four... Right, because life gain is the way to fight against something like Afflict. Right, yeah. Um, so you, you just, like, need those things that gain you extra life. Um, right, and and so what I've found is the ramp decks with River Hoopo, mm-hmm. the, the green-blue bird that you yep. can pay five to draw a card and gain two life, right. are much better than the ramp decks without that card. Yeah. Um, and the best ramp decks that I've seen... Um, it's very easy to splash a color or really just kind of be playing, you know, big G and yeah. then little U, little W. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you just take all of the white removal spells that you see. Sure. Um, the, um, yeah, the pacifism that gains you three life is very strong. Yeah, yeah. And you get to run a lot of deserts in the ramp deck, so uh-huh. it's turned on a lot. Right. Um, so, like, that card is, is really excellent. Um, nice. And that, that's another one of the cards that have overperformed for me. I like taking deserts over like reasonable commons just because it doesn't cost you a slot in your deck and you get a lot of value out of either being able to cycle it or um it just being a desert in the case of the untapped ones or being able to use the abilities because like the black desert uh two black black tap sacrifice a desert put two minus one minus one counters on a creature yeah like that's a payoff for having a bunch of deserts yeah i think that that's probably the best card of that cycle Mm -hmm. um the black one um, but, you know, I've been very impressed with, uh, kind of a lot of those. The, the white one has kind of been able to push through a lot of, like, the white weenie decks that I've seen. Right. They put, gives um, you all your guys plus one, plus one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, even though it's sorcery speed, that it's, you know, it's still just an anthem. Right. It's, it's uh, like a free, you know, obviously it's not, like, trial of solidarity. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, you, you, the cost you pay for these lands is almost nothing. Mm-hmm. It's wherever you pick them up in your draft is really the only pick is really the only cost. Right. You rarely end up paying life. You might pay one or two, and then you draw your other. You draw planes and never have to use it for colored mana again. And it's turns on all of your desert stuff. Like solitary camel, terrible card mm-hmm. if you don't have a desert. Right. If you do have a desert, it's. Yeah, the game will probably be resolved revolving around that solitary camel. Yeah. So I, I do think that it's interesting to note that as you're drafting, you are going to have to value your on color deserts kind of high, more highly than I think people anticipate. Yeah. Um, the uh, like just like during a draft, you just need to pick up a certain number of those in the first two packs um uh in order to make sure that you're enabling the cards that need it in your deck yep and you got to get them out of those first two packs because the deserts and almond are not good right uh like you know there are two that i think are probably fine uh cradle is okay uh the yeah the two two is fine Mm -hmm. and i think the minus one minus one counter one is also good yeah um but yeah the rest of them you just don't want in your deck no and and you would much rather be running deserts that make colored mana just yes limited right yeah um Um, yeah the colorless sources are, are definitely tough but if I if I look at my lands at the end of a draft and I don't have at least two or hopefully three deserts, I feel like I messed up somewhere. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so that's that's an important thing to note. Um, so those you know my main initial thoughts on yeah on Hour of Devastation Limited. Uh, I think that covers pretty much everything. Oh yeah, I I would pick the Wraths higher in this format than I would in other formats. I'm usually not huge on Wrath of God effects in Limited, uh-huh. uh, but that is a way that you can possibly draft a deck that people aren't really expecting to play against. Um, and removal is very good against these aggressive creatures. Like, blocking is terrible against them, but you take out a couple of guys, and then, you know, one 2 one prowess afflict isn't going to kill you. It's just the fact that they had a bunch of them. So yeah. if you're able to kill several of them... So I, I kind of like Wraths in this format. We'll see how that goes right. going forward. Yeah, Obviously, they're rares, so that's not a huge point. Mm-hmm. But um, Although I think it is important to note that the Black Wrath, the one that keeps your lands tapped, mm-hmm. I've been very unimpressed with. Okay. Um, like, it is a Wrath or whatever, so you can set up games in Limited in particular where it's just a blowout. Right. But... Um, uh, in general, the I found that like all the spells that just keep your land tapped are just it's just too tough. Yeah. Um, like maybe the only good one is the green five four. If you can like slam that on turn two and sure. have a five four unlimited, then that's great. But um, 
Yeah. Although you maybe even side that one out against the blue decks. Yeah, unsummon's brutal. Yeah, unsummon <laughs> you know, is very brutal. Uh, yeah. So, um, um, although the the mind control one, I have to think, is still pretty good, even if you, even though you don't get to untap. You just hold on to it for a while. And Maybe, then... but if everybody's playing all these like two yeah. one aggressive decks, it's true. It's really bad against then what are you doing, these right? two ones. Yep, you're you're not so, wrong. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. So we, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing like how this format evolves or whatever, or like you know the new things that we discover from it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty good cap of uh, initial Where it's thoughts at right now. Initial thoughts on uh, limited for sure. sure. Well. And then I guess we better talk about standard. We standard. got a whole new set. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one will be my wheelhouse. Um, so I've uh, as soon as standard dropped on uh, Magic Online, I was immediately scrambling for a bunch of new cards, particularly um, Hour of Devastation. The card. The card. Um, I think that's going to be a thing that has to be added to yeah, a lot whenever the we card. mention that card or the set. Yeah. Um, so and I do want to kind of talk about that card because. Uh, I feel like an interesting phenomenon has happened in Standard when it comes to the card Hour of Devastation. Okay. Um, uh, at least for week one. Sure. Um, uh, a lot of people in week ones play cards that they're excited by. Um, that might they, nobody's really might play kind of down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, everybody saw Hour of Devastation and saw how good it was and... Uh, and immediately started designing their deck lists with that in mind, either by playing Hour of Devastation or playing decks that were not really as susceptible to Hour of Devastation. So what what would that um, be? So those are things like um, uh, blue aggressive decks, which are uh, like Emerge decks or mm-hmm. um, Mardu, uh, uh, Mardu Blue, sure. I want to say, like Jeskai Vehicles. Um, uh, so you can run Metallic Rebuke? Right. Um, just aggressive decks with counterspells. Um, and then the other one being just good old Teamer Energy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so we saw some of those, um, and we saw a lot of ramp strategies. Sure. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely go into more of that archetype, because I tested a lot with that um, in the first couple of days. Um, and uh, so just like a lot of these decks that were just prepared to... Uh, get swept in some context mm-hmm. um, which kind of had this like weird dynamic on the early format where uh, everybody was playing those decks and kind of nobody was playing our devastation hmm. so um, everybody's playing these decks that are warped by it right yeah so everybody's like prepared for it and like the card itself is definitely affecting what the decks look like mm-hmm. um, but I've seen just like a surprisingly low amount of our devastations uh, in the format. Interesting. Um, and I don't know how much you kind of want to level that and then, like, play zombies again or whatever, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Probably not a lot. Yeah, but I, you know, especially for week one, I, I do anticipate seeing a lot of our devastations in Cincinnati this sure. weekend. Um, so, uh, definitely still on my radar, so I think my decks are still going to be warped by that, but, um, uh, yeah, it's just kind of an interesting thing that I've noticed in, like, the very early testing process of what people are playing initially on Magic Online. I mean, that makes um, sense. I, before Amonkit came out, or before Hour of Devastation came out, like, I just went online and sold my Avacins and Gideons because I was like, I don't want to be playing these cards right now. Right, yeah. And um, so I'm sure lots of people did a similar thing. Yeah, like, you know, definitely Avacin and Gideon in particular took a huge hit from that card existing, right? Uh, so people, yeah, I think a lot of people just kind of, like, scrapped it and moved on. Um, uh... But, uh, yeah, but it, I just interesting to note how little of that card I've seen. I, I'd like to come back to the spot, like, you know, a couple weeks from now, when sure. the format's kind of, like, freshened up a little bit and see where we are after that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for the, for the time being, that's kind of where the format has been. So, um, what, so what seems to be performing right now? So the decks that have been... I've seen a lot of play are... Um, uh, there's the Monument deck, mm-hmm. which exists, which is another card that, which is a deck that people assumed would just kind of get hated out by Arbor Devastation, yeah. but it's, people are still playing it, um, per, but you have to be playing the blue-white version. Right. The mono-white version just doesn't have the tools to answer certain things, um, but the blue-white version kind of almost turned into 
like a blue-white tempo-y deck. Yeah. Um, yeah, imagine that deck with Reflector Mage right now. <laughs> yeah, oh man. Um, but uh, a lot of games that I lose against that matchup are games where they just don't involve Monument, Monument at all, where they just like kind of get some aggressive beatdown plan on, then they resolve a Gideon, and I just kind of like die to it. Okay. Um, so, um, so there's that deck. There's uh, a lot of the ramp strategies. So the first deck that I tested was um, a, a ramp deck because I figured that Hour of Promise was just... The fact that Hour of Promise can ramp directly into Ulamog with just right. another land that just incredible. is just insane, yeah. Um, so, you know, five lands, Hour of Promise, uh, find two shrines, mm-hmm. um, Ulamog next turn, uh, on turn six. That's just great. So the... the it was the, good enough for... Right. For standard a couple of months ago, so... Yeah, I mean, that's essentially kind of, like, the nut draw of, um... Uh, Aetherworks Marvel, right? right? Like, you know, you're... You're just, like, almost guaranteeing that you're gonna hit on turn six or whatever. Yep. Um, to be able to cast your Ulamog. Uh, so, uh, I was very excited about that, and the first couple of iterations of the deck that I built were more all-in on the ramp strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, where... Uh, you know, I was playing a bunch of the, uh, like, the three-mana Rampant Growths and some Servant of the Conduits and some other stuff, um, and then kind of flip-flopping back and forth between playing Hour of Promise as just a way to, like, keep up, or Hour, Hour of Devastation, Devastation, rather. Yeah, Hour of Promises. Yeah, it, this is the Hour's deck, right? Deck, yeah. Um, our, yeah, Hour of Promise is just kind of what the deck's all about. Um, but then I noticed that kind of going all in on that plan was kind of bad if you didn't end up drawing your payoffs mm-hmm. um you know we're, we're we're running sanctum of ugans and world breakers and ulmogs so sure. definitely a lot of stuff to hit but sometimes you ramp a bunch and then just need to find something mm-hmm. uh so the next thing that we tried was um a deck that leaned more on specifically the card hour of promise to play ulmogs um but the deck itself was mainly just like a mid-range um, uh, delirium team or delirium deck. Okay. Uh, so we were playing things like Traverse Uvenwald and Vessels and stuff to like give us delirium, uh, and then we were playing like Rogue Refiners and Tireless Trackers and uh, a card that I'm about to talk a lot about, Champion of Wits. Okay, I like it. Um, yeah, and then so we we're playing all these like mid rangey cards, and then we had the package of Four Hour of Promise, Three Ulamog. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Our Promise is just all you need to hit an early Ulamog. Right. And casting um, it on turn five isn't insanely right. different from casting it on turn four. Right. So you don't you don't like need to ramp into that in particular. You just need to be playing a game that can keep up sure. until you play your hour of promise into Ulamog. Okay. So it's kind of huge like top end, right? So it's kind of like Hour of Promise is your Etherworks Marvel. Yeah, Hour of Promise might just maybe just the new Aetherworks Marvel. Sure. Like, who knows? Because um, uh, I've just been hugely impressed with that card. Yeah. Um, it just enables... Right. Like, it's not... You're, so you're not a ramp deck. Neither was Aetherworks Marvel, even when it was running Servants of the Conduit. It's just right. it played one card that enables its bonkers strategy. And yes. That's, that may be just what you do here. Yeah, so I think that the the current iteration of the deck is just the like mid range plan into our into Ulamog. Okay. Uh, if we want to go down that route, um, but maybe we want like some. Uh, so I was playing that version, right? And then I played against some mirrors, mm-hmm. where some other people are more on like the dedicated three mana ramp spell into our into Ulamog. Right. And if they Ulamog you. Right. And uh, so those games just kind of always came down to who cast the first Ulamog. Sure. Who's just going to win. Um, and I was definitely behind in that category. Okay. Where I was like trying to play like this mid-rangey game plan um, into an Ulamog, but they're just ramming into it and okay. casting it and I'm dying. Um, so maybe the correct answer is somewhere in between. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but uh, the, the list that I was pretty happy with uh, that I think I will be pretty happy with moving forward is just, like, some sort of, like, mid-rangey deck that uh, happens to play hours and Ulamogs as its own package, right? And do you run any number of deserts so that, you know, later in the game when you top deck our, de- our, our promise, you can at least turn it into a couple of guys? The, the mid-range deck 
was not running any deserts. Mm -hmm. I do think that the dedicated ramp deck should be running some number of deserts mm -hmm. because it just needs that extra protective element. Gotcha. Uh, as just like some 2 2 blockers to buy you some time or whatever. Right. You don't already have Rogue Refiner in play or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. Because the, the other deck definitely had the ability to just like, you know, play Servant, Rogue Refiner, Tracker, play that game a these, little bit. These cards sound familiar. Right? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> you know. Um, Is there some other Ulamog deck that managed to run all of these cards in it? Yeah, I, I think there might have been in the past. But um, yeah, so we, yeah, we, we might have gotten our new um, uh, Aetherworks Marvel in, in our promise. Boy, that's... Not great, which is probably. which is a pretty uh, you know pretty heavy statement, but um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what that kind of like looks like going forward. Mm -hmm. um, definitely going to be putting more testing into that a little bit. Um, but um, yeah, so okay. Then the other card that I touched on a little bit that I want to go more into though is uh, the card champion of wits. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, I was first introduced to this card by reading some articles. Um, and seeing so many other people going crazy about it, <laughs> and I was not sold. And I, I kind of read these articles, and they were like, Champion Wits is insane, you should play it in every deck. And I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I played with the card. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes. It started out as like a two of in my like team or mid-range deck. I was like, I should probably put this in and see how it goes. Sure. And then I put that in my ramp deck, and... Every time I cast it, it was insane. Okay. Uh, the body with the looting, like, finds you your hours, finds you your Ulamogs, finds you whatever you're looking for, mm -hmm. gives you Delirium. Mm -hmm. um, but the best part is not actually the front end of the card, which is just great. Sure. Um, the, the best part that I found was the uh, being able to eternalize it. Um, sure. If you're... If you're playing a game that like kind of goes into some sort of topped up mode, and you have that card in your graveyard, you're you just gonna you're you just gonna lose. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like seven mana sounds like a lot or whatever, but you know, uh, a lot of games in standard just kind of like you know resources trade and things move on, and then we're top decking. Sure, right? It's just something that happens in just any game of Magic, really. And just like having uh, like some number of these in your graveyard to just exist. Mm -hmm. Just means that you're just going to win any top deck war. That like you know you make your land drops and then you cast this card and then all of a sudden you've got like two excellent cards in your hand. Yeah, um, and a four four in play. And a four four in play. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. Every time every time I get to a point where I'm doing that, then it just feels like I won. Yeah. Um, well, and especially like I can't imagine a much better shell for it than a teamer delirium ramp deck right because you're, you're, you're gonna be graveyard. having a lot of lanes in play yeah right so um right you're you're dumping a lot of you know you we want to be putting cards in your graveyard for delirium mm -hmm. so that you can traverse for your rule logs late or whatever and it's both a card that dumps cards into your graveyard mm -hmm. and is wonderful to dump into your graveyard with your other enablers yes absolutely right so right if you're if you're getting that late game and you're like searching for some sort of payoff card um then, uh, yeah, you can just, you know, seven mana, pay that, mm -hmm. uh, put a 4-4 four, four into play, draw a million cards, it feels like. <laughs> and uh, yeah. It's effectively uh, infinite if you're both right. zero cards in hand. So. Right, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, Champion of Wits, uh, A+. Plus. Okay. Um, I'm sold. I, I definitely think that they're, you're just going to be seeing a lot more of that card. Um, and, uh, and this is coming from somebody who, like, initially read the card and was skeptical about it. Sure. Like, I, I looked at it and I was like, I don't know what kind of deck you're trying to play 2-1 in that, you know, loots you for a little bit, but just, like, the card quality change in your hand after you cast it is just insane. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that we're going to be, I think that we're definitely going to be seeing a lot of that card moving forward. Um, and uh, I... I, hopefully I'm locking in playing some deck that plays that card for Cincinnati this weekend. Dope. Yeah. Well, I mean, want to talk about Cincinnati then? Yeah. So Cincinnati is, is uh, coming up, um, and I'm very excited. I always enjoy week one standard opens. Yes. Um, yeah. Because uh, uh, I think that the... Uh, I feel I feel pretty comfortable going into these opens. I feel like you know I, I tend to be able to put in enough time mm -hmm. to figure out the formats, which I think definitely gives you an edge over the people who are just kind of showing up with whatever brew they threw together. Right, right. Um, 
so very excited. Um, we'd, we've been testing a lot with the team. Um, and uh, uh, Well, yeah, let's, let's talk about that, because this is not the first yeah, tournament so, that you've done team-based I guess this now is a good for. time to go into kind of what our team process looks like. Yeah, um, yeah. I've been testing with Team Lotus Box. Um, uh, we're a relatively new team that plays on the Cersei Game circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, we, the kind of the first big tournament we tested for was the Invitational Pass Weekend. Yep. Um, and as we talked about last time, as a team, you guys were pretty successful. Yeah, we had, um, what, three or four guys in the top 32, mm-hmm. and then... Yeah, three guys in the top 32, two guys that cashed um, out of the seven people that we had on the team. So yep. just, like, very solid showing for all of us. Um, uh, and But the the important thing to note f- for is that our testing process is still kind of new and a little unpolished. Um, we've been testing a lot. Um, and kind of what that looks like at the moment is that uh, because we're all kind of scattered across the... Uh, United States at the moment. Like, you know, n- none of us are... Uh, well, I guess Dylan and I are both in um, uh, the, the Raleigh-Durham area, but uh, everybody else is kind of like, you know, we've got some people in Atlanta, we've got some people... I don't even know. You know? Okay. So, uh, <laughs> on Skype. Uh, right, so what we've been doing to test um, has been uh, starting up a Google Hangout mm-hmm. um, where a bunch of people are playing Magic, on Magic Online, um, and then we just have this just discussion where we're all just sitting together playing Magic, have the ability to view each other's screens at any time, sure, um, to comment on the games. Because sometimes you want to be playing, sometimes you want to be like walking somebody else through some games, or at least getting advice from somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's a really good way to crunch through a lot of data. Um, at once because we can have like three different people playing three different archetypes uh, and uh, and being able to kind of like be able to pop in and out of all of those games at once sure Um, so that was great for testing for the invitational because we kind of narrowed it down to a couple different decks that we wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Green Energy was the deck that I was uh, piloting. Uh, we also had people on Mardu Vehicles, mm-hmm. and then uh, we also had one person on um, the Monument deck. Right. Um, and so, kind of a sweet Monument deck. Yeah, and, and the kind of tech that Zan had for the Monument deck was uh, the fact that he put in Dahlia's Lancers, mm-hmm. um, which uh, just kind of allowed you to have like a bigger late game um, just another like card advantage resource for um, g- going into the late game with that. That's not um, as vulnerable to cards like Radiant Flames. And right, that. right, yeah. Um, yeah, trying to play around those sweepers a little bit. Um, so, uh, the, uh, so the testing process currently looks like all of us hanging out in a group chat, talking to everybody. Um, and by all of us, I mean normally like four to five people at a time, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot. Um, so I guess a couple of comments on that is that sometimes it's very helpful to like crunch through a lot of information, but uh, if everybody's watching the same match, I've noticed that sometimes things can get a little crazy, mm-hmm. uh, where there's a bit too much, um, too many different opinions, I guess. Gotcha. Um, that And we should probably look at that a little bit, where um, we were playing one match where... Um, John Rossum was playing a deck, and we had like three or four people watching him, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody was just yelling out lines, <laughs> and and we we uh, we definitely needed to like slow it down a little bit and um, uh, have maybe a more cleaner discussion about like what we needed to be doing. So you need like a like a yeah. speaking rock because or something. what ended up happening was that everybody was just yelling lines at John, and John was just like, I can't I can't play Magic right now, <laughs> uh, and. Uh, so so that was a very entertaining, but b probably not productive. Right, right. right. Um, yeah. So speaking rock. So you need to hand the stone to whoever's right, allowed yeah, to talk. Yeah. Some sort of like digital speaking rock that we can <laughs> just like only one person's unmuted at a time or something. <laughs> yeah. Just like force it. <laughs> God, I wonder um, if there's some like like go to meeting thing or something that lets you do that. Uh, probably, that's a cool idea. Somebody should somebody should create that. Yeah. Where you have yeah. to hand it to the next person. Right. Um. So, uh, so yeah, definitely some interesting things to, to be looking at for our testing process. Um, 
it's uh, it's been working really well these couple of days that we've been on for New Standard mm -hmm. because New Standard's kind of crazy and there's just so much information to go through. Yeah. Because uh, everything's like feels very fresh. Uh, well, and even like Standard for the past couple of weeks, like never really developed to a mature point because it was still sort of reeling from the the Etherworks Marvel ban. And right. Yeah. It, it never got to like a settled like this is what Standard is now. Mm -hmm. Like like. The, the the monument decks just sort of emerged in the week and a half before the invitational and then became like kind of the you know a force in standard like and it felt like almost overnight yeah the the metagame didn't have time to adapt to that happening so you know now we got a new set before that settled down um yeah now right and there's just a lot more information that was injected in um and uh so we kind of like need to hit all the bases. I played like f three or four different decks, um, uh, like in the first two days or whatever. Sure. Um, one of which was Blue Black Mill. Ooh. Uh, yeah, uh, which was sweet, and we kind of played it because it was pretty cheap to pick up, and um, I had just played against it in a league and just got crushed. <laughs> the uh, uh, the three mana enchantment. Um, that just is in the new set that says for at the beginning of each end step for each card that was put in enchanted players it's a curse. graveyard yeah. yeah it's a curse um, for each card that was put into their graveyard mill them for that much right. at their end step so, it so just doubles you're doubling all of your mill spells and for every card that they put into their graveyard naturally just mm -hmm. by like casting spells or whatever um, they also get milled from that yeah. Uh, and then the neat thing is that if you have multiples of those out, they, it stacks. Yeah, it doubles and then doubles, right. right. Right, so the first one mills them for like five or whatever you milled them for, and then the next one's going to mill them for ten. So you're milling them for fifteen in their instep. Yep. Or, or whatever. Um, so we were kind of like blown away by how powerful that was. Immediately threw the, de the deck together. What other mill card? I guess there's compelling there's argument. There's a bunch of mill spells. There's the... Um, the one that, yeah. So there's a compelling argument, and then there's the the four mana Mildred for thirteen, and oh, then you can get it back. Oh right, I, that startled away. Startled away. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the problem is that if you're not drawing like specifically the curse and right. startled away, your deck just doesn't just doesn't do much. Right. Your winds of rebuking a guy and then dying to it two turns later. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we 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 built the deck. We put it through a league and got crushed and it just wasn't good so we can move on from that but um uh, but at least you got to do it together as a team yeah no so and it was great so nice. we and just talking to the efficiency of like whatever however we're testing um we uh we had one guy build the deck play it through a league while everybody else is still focusing on whatever they're working on mm -hmm. and then you was able to in, say tune in and out. hey guys not gonna work yeah uh, so we can move on, right? Right, and so now you're all seven people on the team know, like... I'm right, are, are aware of the deck, but know that they don't need to put any more mental effort into it. Cool. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was, you know, pretty sweet, for sure. I mean, Q at winning... Uh, Q at, like, you know, XOing Cincinnati or something like that. Oh, yeah, of course, right, yeah. This deck's bad, don't worry about it. Oh, wait, it, it destroyed the tournament. Yeah. Okay, no. Um... I'm sure people will be playing it at the tournament uh, because it's it's one of those decks that's just like very powerful uh, in certain draws, mm -hmm. and people are going to see that and be excited and play it. Right, and people like playing decks where you are playing a completely different line of magic, like on a totally different axis than your opponent is prepared to deal with. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, and by people, like I'm including myself, I like doing that. Yeah, as well. right, right. I mean, yeah, and by people, I mean, you know, we built the deck when we played it yep. for the league, so... Um, yeah, so some definitely definitely some interesting things um, there. Uh, we're still talking about how, like, what we can do to kind of, like, learn as a team to um, improve, how, like, what our testing process looks like. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm sure that we can be much more structured in some context, but we just haven't, you know, we're, we're still working on it. Right. So... Um, yeah, so I guess I, I hope to talk more about that in the future of just, like, updating. Because uh, I, I do want to... I think that, like, team testing is something that, like, I'm, I'm new to, but I'm very interested in. Sure. So um, I think it'll be fun to kind of, like, talk about the uh, iterative process of, like, what we learn as 
through testing with the team. Yeah, um, I, as I, the I weeks think it'll go be, by. it'll be cool if we can just sort of check in every week and and talk about what you guys are figuring out because this is like this is a part of magic that I have never really been involved in, and, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. a lot of people have not. So it'd be cool to get a peek into that. Right, for sure. Um, yeah, cool. Well, I think we're at just about an hour. Um, I think we've covered pretty much everything yeah. that's going on right now. I mean, I'm going to play a modern PPTQ this weekend, but that's all I'm doing. <laughs> Great. So you need some claim to fames? <laughs> you want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So do you claim to fame? Have you tried it? We have not tried it yet. Okay. We've just I've just been playing pure standard gotcha. for Cincinnati. Cool. But I'm very excited to just immediately throw it in my Death Shadow deck okay. and, and give some spins. Um, I've been very tempted to just like do that and run it through a league mm-hmm. but we i just don't really have the time to focus on that outside of what i'm looking at for standard so right if you're going to be testing you got to be testing for your next tournament right right sure. yep i can only actually test for so many hours in a day so you know cool um yeah yep i think that's pretty much all that we've got going on now hopefully i mean next time we record it'll be post cincinnati we'll definitely have learned something from that um, I'm probably not going to draft 10 more times before <laughs> sure. the next one, because yeah. after that 10th one, I started well, feeling we're going to be doing bit. some sort of draft tonight, but I don't, I don't think that'll be very... <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that we're going to talk about our uh, chaos draft too much on the podcast. Well, but yeah, but it's going to be sweet. It's going to be sweet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for sure. Yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we will be here next week too yeah please get in contact with us if you guys have like suggestions for uh topics about uh what you want us to talk about anything we might have missed um yeah getting feedback a little bit of feedback last week was was uh, really helpful and yeah for sure um you know uh we we hope to learn as uh casters w- uh, with everybody else so definitely want to hear some some stuff from you guys so yeah yep. uh i am dr pizzazz on twitter yep and I'm at Collins Mullen on Twitter, so shoot us a follow, um, and uh, and we'll be uh, we'll be listening to that for sure. Yep, no giveaways yet because uh, <laughs> I don't think we're at that point in our podcasting career. But one yeah. day, one day, um, sweet. All right, signing off.